What is up, guys? Welcome to the third out. This is Bryson French here with Noah Witzke. Today is March the 13th, 2022, and we have an agreement between the Players Association and the MLB, and that means baseball is back. And that also means we have a lot of stuff to talk about today. going to be a good show. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Baseball's back after the uh, 90-some-day hiatus there. Finally came to an agreement. It was crazy there, so far off or claimed to be so far off, and then all of a sudden they had a deal. Like, so. Really caught me off guard. Didn't expect it that quick after the reports that have been coming out the days before. Yeah, so, exactly. Let's start out this podcast by talking about the agreement and what they agreed upon and what the next season is going to look like. So we are going to be starting a little bit later. Opening day is going to be April 7th, but we are still going to get in 162 games this year. Um, that should be allowed by a decent amount of double headers for all the teams. Mm-hmm. Also, there is no tiebreaker game 163 anymore. So if there's a tie at the end of the year, they go to uh, an NFL-style tiebreaker. So what do you think of that, Noah? I think it should be interesting. Uh, yeah, it's crazy that that's one of the points that they uh, couldn't agree on. But – yeah. Uh, yeah, it's good to see them come to an agreement with it. It should be interesting. Yep. So players are reporting for spring training today, which is Sunday, March the 13th. That I, When you were listening to this, it might be Monday or after. Um, the competitive balance tax has been raised. The minimum salary has been raised to $700,000 per year, and it's a little bit more for veteran players and such. There is now a bonus pool that each team has of $50 million to be given to young players who haven't reached arbitration yet. So basically that is like for all the young players who are before that arbitration point, if they're performing really well, the team can start to pay them a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So that is something the Players Association really wanted and glad they can get that worked in there, I think. Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to get these players paid younger so they can make their money exactly. sooner and then yeah it's not so much the veterans who are making their millions yeah. of dollars that are happy here yeah it's these younger guys that you know want to make their bag quickly quickly so uh you know they don't get hurt down the line or anything like that exactly and you know they do make very little off the get-go mm-hmm. it's only the top percentage you know that really make the money later on uh, the next point that they changed is they have expanded the playoffs now to a 12-team playoff. So we'll have six coming from the American League and six coming from the National League, expanding it by one spot per league. I don't mind that at all, especially with the way the playoffs were last year with how close they were yeah. to get teams in. Uh, I think that'll make the postseason more interesting. Because there's a lot of teams that didn't get in that could have made a little run. Yeah. Do you think there's going to be more teams like, uh, you know, the Miami Marlins um, from the COVID year that are going to start making the playoffs now? I mean, they had the combination of it being a 60-game season, but they also had the combination of, you know, having a couple more playoff spots for them to slip into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. so. Yeah, may, I think so. Yeah, that may help the, the teams who are kind of going through a rebuild. You know, maybe they can start hitting their stride a little bit earlier on things. The next point of emphasis they had is we are now going to have ads on helmets and they're going to have patches on the jerseys. 
I'm not as big a fan of this, but it's also not that bad, I guess. Yeah, if it's if they're about the size of the of the NBAs, I don't think it'll be bad. No, that, but it, be fine. if they're any, if they're much larger than that, I think it, it'd be kind of annoying. The the ads on the helmets was kind of ugly. I think when who was it? The Cardinals and the Cubs went to Mexico, and they had them. They were massive, and they took up like the entire inside portion of the helmet. Yeah, so I wasn't a big fan of that. But the patch on the jersey shouldn't be too too big. Shouldn't be too much of a distraction, but it should be nice advertisement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how they're going to work the helmet though. Maybe if they shifted it to just a sticker in the back, would be yeah, nice. that, that wouldn't be bad at all. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of other rule changes that are still um, up for discussion. And so in the contract, they allowed for a 45-day period after the signing of the contract, which is just a couple of days ago, um, a 45-day period where they can make changes to the rules, such as the pitch clock, shift banning, and larger bases. So first off, what do you think of the pitch clock, Noah? I think it's good. I mean, I mean, sometimes pitchers take too long to get set or anything. They kind of piddle around up there on the mound, but – I don't think yeah. the, the pitch clock's probably my favorite out of all of them. Yeah, I have not heard many complaints about you know this from the minor leagues. I think a uh, major complaint was umpires just don't like enforcing it. Yeah, but I don't. Yeah. I haven't heard a whole lot about the game being affected by it in a major way. Uh, that brings us to something that probably would be the exact opposite, and that is shift banning. I'm personally not a big fan of this one. I think it's a competitive part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know. You're trying to help your defense there. And as a hitter, learn to hit the other way. And I understand, you know, power hitters, you know, they'd rather just pull the ball. But if you're a power hitter and you want to just pull the ball, then you're going to have to realize that your batting average is going to have to take a dip because your team should be able to do that. They should be able to shift and adjust themselves for that. Exactly. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either. I actually kind of hate it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, So I'm not entirely sure how the rule would work. I assume it would be you can't have X amount of players to the right of second base, or you can't have X amount of players to the left of second base. Mm-hmm. I, wonder, I wonder how enforcing it, too. Like, what's going to be the penalty? They're just going to stop playing, so you have to move? Yeah. Like, at the start of the pitch, you can't start to the side of one base or the other, you know? Yeah. So you could have something where the shortstop could, like, start just one step to the side of the bag and then run across as the pitch comes or something. But he yeah. wouldn't be able to get that far across. So he'd be basically playing up the middle at most. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's ways around that. But depending it's going to – there will be minor shifts, but I feel mm-hmm. like the overall putting mm-hmm. a shortstop at the second base position and the second baseman in right field. Yeah, it's and not – And then shifting all the outfielders that was going to – that won't be doable. Yeah. And then we have larger bases. Um, not gonna lie, I didn't really look into this one. Not sure what the, I guess, you know, maybe just safety reasons, a little easier to hit without twisting ankles or slide into. I don't know. But I don't really think that's gonna affect the game one way or the other terribly. No. I think from what I saw with reporting and everything, that that's an attempt to get stolen bases back in the game. That with the pitch clock supposedly is gonna make more for stolen bases okay yeah i can see that especially if you're running down on the pitch clock mm-hmm. 
you know, the hitter's going to be – the runner's going to have a little easier time timing him up probably. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing – I'm going to save that one for last, actually. Uh, there is now a draft lottery. So they're going to try to discourage tanking. I assume it's going to work pretty much like the NBA's does. This will also allow teams who have more money to spend on prospects who get drafted will be able to take higher draft picks. Mm-hmm. So that should help the players a lot. And it's, I don't think it's something that's really going to hurt teams who are bad. You know, it's just going to take away the tanking possibility, really. But we still seem, we see teams tank in the NBA. So maybe this may not have as much effect as we think. Yeah. I think, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how long it takes for that to really take an effect or anything, or if it even affects the game at all. I don't know. I I would be excited to watch that though. To, oh, for sure. Know, oh, for sure. It's just it's just another baseball event for us, at least, to try to watch and keep up on. Um, next item is they're going to limit the number of times a player can be optioned to the minor leagues in one year. So basically, you can't be sending a guy up and down, up and down, up and down constantly. Uh, you know, I think you're only going to have like two, three, three times to option them. So yeah. that should search for some security for some players. Mm-hmm. It also might mean that they get, you know, brought up two or three times and they don't get that last chance to come up and make a difference in the MLB, though. But this is meant to be easier on the players, though, for the most part, I think. Yeah, I would say that's definitely a, a player's rule there. I mean, it's crazy because some of these guys get called up 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then they have a game, their MLB, first MLB games the next day. Yeah. So, so the next it. one, this is this is the big one. This is probably our last one, or the last one that we're going to cover, is the universal DH now, which is the National League is going to have a DH. Pitchers will not be hitting anymore. So I don't think this one was a big debate piece between the two, de- two sides. This is probably something they came to an agreement on earlier. I know the owners were somewhat against it because having to play pay another player in the National League side of things. But for the most part, it's not, you know, it, it does favor both sides a good bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to talk now just about the National League teams. And there are a lot of them that need DHs, obviously, because they don't have them on their roster. So there are mm-hmm. three teams that could probably go without a DH. That's the Cubs. They have Clint Frazier, who they got from the Yankees, mm-hmm. currently listed as a DH. Um, and just the way they work things. They have enough enough depth so that they could, if they do put Clint Frazier in the field, they'd move somebody else over to the DH spot. The Giants technically have enough depth to put in a DH. And the Cardinals um, are kind of in a situation with two shortstops. They have Edmundo Sosa, um, who had a really good breakout year. And they have Paul Young which a lot of Cardinals fans are not happy with. So they are, they're probably in the market for a DH, but they don't need a DH as desperately as a lot of other National League teams do. So, yeah, all the other National League teams do need a DH. So you got the Reds, Brewers, Pirates, Braves, Marlins, Phillies, Nationals, Diamondbacks, Rockies, Dodgers, and Padres, all in need of a DH. And so that now takes us to who could be the possible DHs. So there are 
a sizable amount of free agents left, and we've had a lot of free agent signings already this since the uh, agreement has been signed. But the big free agent still out there is Carlos Correa. Now, Correa's probably not going to be a DH. He's probably going to be a shortstop wherever he goes. Uh, but, yeah, what do you think about him and free agency going forward? Obviously, there's a lot of interest in him. Yeah, I'd say he's probably the most sought-after guy left. Uh, yeah. He's probably getting a 10-year, $500 million plus deal. Um, you know, somewhere around in that range. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's not going to be a DH, but – if he goes to a team that already has maybe a, a shortstop who's not as good defensively, maybe that will open up something. Mm-hmm. There are teams that go work that. But, yeah, there are a lot of teams in need of a shortstop. We've talked about that as we went through all the teams. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of demand for him. Chris Bryant, um, similar situation. I don't see him being taken out of the field. Um, Freddie Freeman, though, is probably the first interesting one. Mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman's a good defensive first baseman but he could be sent to a team that already has a first baseman now. And maybe they put their other first baseman as a DH type deal or, you know, there's options. Yeah. Now the, from what I'm hearing, there's two spots that he's going to go to in LA and the Braves. Those are apparently the two teams that were the most interested in him during, before the LA would probably use him as a DH. Yes, probably. Because they do have Max Muncy. Or they would put Muncy in. Well, yeah, one of the two would be a DH. So basically they're signing him to get a DH, whether they move Muncy to DH or move him to DH. That would not be a bad deal at all for him. No, that would give you a very good DH. Mm -hmm. Very, very good. So we'll put right now – We'll put Freeman most likely to go to the Dodgers. Um, if he goes back to the Braves, it's as a first baseman, not as a DH. Oh, of course, yeah. Uh, that takes us to Trevor's story. Trevor's story also likely to stay at shortstop. Uh, very similar situation to Carlos Correa. Um, I know Cardinals and Yankees have both been discussed um, with him. So basically what I've heard is Cardinals, Yankees, Rockies are his three options. Mm-hmm. Hopefully New York. Yeah. Then we have Nick Castellanos. Now, this is a DH possibility. The Reds need him back pretty bad. Mm -hmm. But the Reds haven't done that yet. So if the Reds take him back, he's going to be an outfielder. Yeah. If he goes to any other team, it's probably going to be a DH option. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So if you had to throw out a team, what team do you think would probably take him? out of the ones we have remaining. And then actually the need DHs. Probably the Braves. Braves. Yeah, I can see that. And I think they do have their outfield kind of sorted about out, especially if Ozuna comes back. Mm-hmm. I think Padres is also yeah, Padres. Padres is interesting. Yeah. And that takes us now to another guy who has – um, DH capabilities that is Anthony Rizzo so Rizzo though is probably out of all these free agents Castellanos aside Rizzo is probably expected to go back to his team more than anybody else 
uh, go back to the end. Mm -hmm. yeah, but if you were to leave, there's a demand for him elsewhere as well. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially if the Braves lose, lose Freeman. Mm -hmm. That's going to open up another first baseman slot. And now with the DH, that uh, you know, opens up the entire National League to start bidding for him, even if they already have a first mm -hmm. baseman. So his market just opened up a lot. Yeah, that's something we yeah we didn't really discuss, but like that that makes a big deal for guys like Anthony Rizzo and Freddie Freeman. Like there were only you know four or five teams who were looking for first baseman, but now everybody needs them. Oh yeah, I mean I'd say ninety five percent of the league's calling them now. At least ninety five percent of the National League. Oh yeah, yeah. If Plus not hundred percent, the American League that were already looking for, yeah. Mm -hmm. So. um Yes, so Rizzo is a big one, but he is expected to go back to the Yankees. That does mean though the Yankees are looking to trade Luke Voigt. Yeah, would, and so yeah. that would be a DH capability for somebody in the National League. That would be a perfect DH for a lot of those teams. Yep, I could see him going. I think the Brewers might be able to figure out the DH situation on their own, but I could see them going after him. I could see the Cardinals going after him as well. Um, those are probably the two top teams that would. Be interested in a guy like him. I, I say Cardinals probably because they already had him at one point in time. Yeah. That takes us now to Michael Conforto. Um, not much of a DH guy there, but he is a free agent, so we'll, a lot of teams will be looking at him. And then we have the next big DH possible possibility. He could also be a corner outfielder. Is Kyle Schwarber. So we had discussed Schwarber might be a fit for the Giants, I believe. Mm -hmm. What we were talking about way back. Yeah, I think that'd be a good fit, especially now. Yeah. Because they are a good defensive team. And so he won't be needed defensively. He can be a DH for them. I like I like Schwarber uh, fitting with the Giants. Um but, yeah, the market opened up a lot for him, too, just like they did for those first basemen. He's another guy that only a handful of teams were looking for corner outfielders, and now everybody everybody should be interested in him. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is strictly a DH, and he has been strictly a DH for quite some time now, mm -hmm. unlike every other guy on this list who plays a primary position. Um, Nelson Cruz over, overall last year was about an average hitter. He had a 103 OPS plus, but he, he should, I don't know, given how quickly this whole DH thing was thrown upon teams, I feel like he would be a good plug for this year at least, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So as a one-year possibility, I know he's over 40 years old. There's got to be teams that would be interested in him. And that honestly would be pretty much everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would probably put him with – if, if the Reds could bring back Castellanos, they should also bring back or also take Nelson Cruz. I can see that too. And I can also see a borderline contender that needs another guy picking him yeah. up too. Like I could see Philadelphia maybe taking a look Philly's, at him. Philly's um, needed a guy. Um, there aren't as many borderline contenders in the National League this year, honestly. Yeah, everybody's in or out. It seems like. Yeah, I'll say that's really the only one I can really 
see on the on this list. I mean, maybe the Cardinals or Giants, depending on who else they have. But I feel like with those teams, that would be like a worst case scenario. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that takes us now to Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler would be a great DH for mm-hmm. a team. I think though he is decently likely to go back to the Braves. Oh, he has to. So I think the Braves could put him in the outfield mm-hmm. and make Ozuna their DH or vice versa. They could make Ozuna the left fielder and Soler the DH. Mm-hmm. One way or the other, the Braves are kind of lacking uh, defense in the outfield right now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that would be struggle a struggle for them. Eddie Rosario, who had a really good year last year, I don't know if he's a DH caliber player, but he does deserve a spot somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he, he'll he probably not fit into a DH spot. He'll probably just take an outfield position somewhere. Mm-hmm. Then we have Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson, both of which are good outfielders. Should get a starting spot somewhere. I'm not sure they'll be taken by competitors. They're they might be, but yeah, they'll be taking my teams. We're just looking to fill in a last starting spot right here. So yeah. At this point in the season, you know, I I'm ready for some more big signings, you know. Oh, but absolutely. Those are, those are the offensive pieces that could slip in as DHs. Uh, the last offensive free agent piece we have to talk about is Pujols. There are discussions with him uh headed to the Yankees, the Cardinals, or the Rockies. How would you feel about having Pujols as a DH? I mean, I wouldn't feel great, but I wouldn't feel awful about it either. I mean, he's how old? 45, seems like. I'm honestly not sure. 43. He's got to be up in his 40s at this point. So, I mean, he'll give you some good hit, or he'll give you some time. Yeah, 42. So he'll give you a decent amount of production, but I don't think he's a consistent DH. Yeah, he's an above-average hitter even mm-hmm. now, but he's the slowest player in baseball. Yeah. So offensively, I'm not sure you can justify that. Exactly. Um, so I could see him going to a team maybe that's not really competing that needs a DH, and that's why I think the Rockies would be a great fit for him. Mm-hmm. Um, just because they're going to need to fill the DH spot, and he could teach the uh, young hitters a lot of things. So. Exactly. I'd send Pujols to Colorado out of all those teams. If he goes to the Yankees or the Cardinals, the Yankees aren't going to use him as a DH because they have Stanton and everybody else there. And the Cardinals, they might. If worse comes to worse, if they can't get anybody else. But yeah. Where would the Yankees put him? Bench. Yeah. Just, you know, bench bat. Just kind of like the Dodgers used him at the end of the year. Makes sense, yeah. Um, other players that could be traded and that would make great DHs is Garrett Cooper um, from Miami. He needs to be a DH somewhere. He is an amazing player. He needs to get into the spotlight a little bit. Jeff McNeil from the Mets. <clears throat> I've heard they are really interested in moving him. The Mets are also interested in moving Dominic Smith. So those two offensive pieces. And then Luke Voigt, we discussed for the Yankees, could be on the move. Obviously, everybody would be after him. But these three are the three most interesting ones to me. We got Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, and Tony Kemp. So Oakland, as always, is looking to sell anybody they can. 
and they are looking to sell their three best players, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, and Tony Kemp. Tony Kemp, uh, actually all three of these are so good defensively that they're not going to be DHs. But, again, this does open the door for a team who already has a guy at their position, a guy, a team that already has a first baseman or a third baseman or a second baseman can now look at these guys and say, we'll take, we'll trade for this guy and we'll put our current person at that position in the DH spot. Um, so that does open the doors for a lot of teams. Um, I'm trying to think what team has a bad first baseman, third baseman, or second baseman, and I'm thinking Giants. This might be a good move for them to mm-hmm. take one of these guys in the corner infield. I know Brandon Belt is coming back, but you could put Brandon Belt as a DH, make Matt Olson your first baseman. Mm-hmm. Exactly what or I was going to say. You could put Chapman at third. So, yeah, I think that would be a great fit for them. On the other side of things, on the pitching side, we have not as many free agents left. Honestly, the pitching free agents have been moving off pretty quickly. Um, we have Kenley Jansen left in the bullpen. We have Michael Pineda left, and we have Zach Greinke left. I believe that's the only three big names that we have left at this point. Um, Carlos Rodon signed with the Giants. That was big because the Giants did need another piece, and – Rodon was so good last year. I mean, he got overlooked a little bit because of the innings, but if you remember at the end of our at end of the year, he was in that Cy Young discussion. He just didn't have the innings really to take it. Mm-hmm. So very good signing by the Giants, I think. And then Joe Kelly went to the White Sox, more bullpen use for the White Sox. And that gives the White Sox the possibility to trade Craig Kimbrell. Mm-hmm. Something that they've discussed doing for a couple uh, couple years now. Well, they just got Craig Kimbrell. Oh yeah, but the Cubs traded him. It would be it would, he'd be traded again. Yeah. Usai um, Kachuki from the Mariners now went to the Blue Jays. We talked about the Blue Jays and their starting pitching. Um, that would be a good signing for them. Again, they'd kind of. You know, they had starting pitching problems and it kind of got worse this offseason. So that's them trying to hold things together. Um, Kershaw went back to the Dodgers. And then again, Joe Kelly went to the White Sox. So those are the pitching free agents that have already signed. Offensively, yeah, we just haven't seen any offensive signings yet. No, no there hasn't been too many big splashes. Um, On the offensive side. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been a few, you know, with Texas doing what they did, but overall hasn't been super exciting yeah the offensive has been more involved in trades i guess Mm -hmm. pitching has been more free agent signings offense has been more trades so far so as far as the trades are concerned since the since the signing of this contract we've already had all these moves we had these signings we just talked about with the pitchers but with trades we had mitch garver from the twins remember he was in our top 10 catchers and he went to the rangers uh for isaiah kiner falafa and that is a big move for them. He is a little older, so it's kind of surprising. Um, and the Rangers don't really have a lot of pitching, but I guess this is just a move to get a veteran catcher who's the best pitch framer in the game 
in an organization that's really trying to utilize their young pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a very smart move, I think, for them. Um, Chris Bassett was traded from the Oakland Athletics to the Mets, just furthering the Mets' amazing uh, rotation at this point. Uh, Mets are going to be very hard to beat. We didn't discuss who they are going to take for DH, but they are in need of one as well. And then the final trade we just had earlier today was the Twins got Sonny Gray, and they sent Chase Petty, their first-round pick, to the Reds. So, honestly, a lot of moves in, in the time since the – the contract has been signed. Um, I, I'm just not sure what the Twins are doing here. They give up Mitch Garver for a younger player who has promise, but then they send off one of their top prospects for Sonny Gray. I'm not entirely sure they're trying to fill out the rotation this year. What are they trying to do here? Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, Gray's a good pitcher, but I wouldn't trade my – Yeah, I wouldn't trade my – number one draft pick from last season quite i mean it's a little early i feel like i think i mean you have you gave up a catcher who's like 30 years old so you're kind of showing that you know all right we're we don't need older guys right now but then you take a pitcher who's 32 years old Mm -hmm. yeah i don't i don't get that um maybe this does mean i Obviously, we did look at the uh, their farm system a little while back. I don't remember them having a top catcher in their farm system. So I don't really know what their succession plan is for Mitch Garver. I don't know if they have something they like there. Um, maybe they're just trusting the future at catcher. And obviously, we know their pitching is gone at this point because mm-hmm. they gave up Barrios and everybody else last year at the trade deadline. They've given up Trevor May. They've given up all their starting pitching. So, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what the twins are up to, but I am happy to see all the, the movement we have elsewhere. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. You know, the Mets making moves, making moves, the White Sox making moves, the Giants making moves, Blue Jays making moves, all those teams really, really trying to push. And I can't wait for the rest of these free agents to be signed. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. I mean, I, the yeah. next two weeks, I think, are going to be, may not last that long, but the next week, it's going to be crazy with signings. Yeah. So spring training is going to start. We're going to have our first spring training game. I think the Cardinals' first one is Friday. I assume everybody mm-hmm. is starting up around that point. Uh, we probably won't see many starters flowing in at that point. It'll probably be a little slower than most spring training games, but games are coming, and they're going to be here real quick. And next week for our podcast, we're going to discuss the top 10 right fielders, and we're going to discuss more free agent signings. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it's going to be a lot more at that point. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully, Correa, Bryant, Freeman, Story. I mean, all these guys. Castellanos, Rizzo, Schwarber. Yeah. Those are those are the big name guys we want to see. We mm-hmm. also want to see Kenley Jansen get off here, um, and Zach Greinke. I guess mm-hmm. those are, those are the big names. Um, but yeah, next time we talk, you know, Sunday next Sunday we will have you know a couple games going on, so we may have actually have some actual baseball to talk about rather than just talking about players. So that'll be interesting. Yes. Yeah, it'll be great. Yeah. So that is all for our podcast tonight, guys. Thanks for joining us and thanks for listening. And we will see you all next week.